0: Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh.
1: Many of you have probably heard a lot recently about the idea of a job guarantee, a proposal where rather than just giving people cash, the government would actually provide them with some sort of decent job that gives them a good wage and and good benefits. There's been more discussion about that from some Democratic candidates running for office,
0: and the idea does seem to be picking up some steam. So, Jim had a conversation with Alyssa Battistoni, a PhD student at Yale and contributor to Descent, N Plus One, and Jacobin, on the idea that a jobs guarantee and a basic income are not necessarily mutually oppositional. So, here is Jim's conversation with Alyssa Battistoni.
1: Alyssa, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, there's been an increasingly heated debate over the last few years between the idea of universal basic income providing everyone with unconditional cash at a level sufficient to bring them above the poverty line, and the idea of a job guarantee program, which would aim to provide a job with a living wage and decent benefits to any person in the country who wanted one. People generally seem to view these as two competing proposals for how to guarantee economic security to everyone, but you recently wrote a piece for In These Times that proposed a combination of the two might actually be the best of both worlds. Can you walk us through your thinking there around a hybrid proposal?
2: Sure. As you say, I think the job guarantee basic income debate has been become like a very contentious debate on the left. And, you know, it's these sort of rival ideas of how to solve the, um, the problem of unemployment, particularly after 2008 and the, um, you know, rise in unemployment that, resulted. Um, and it's kind of a, you know, either, I guess there's sometimes phrased as full employment as the job guarantee proposal or, or the sort of like full unemployment being the UBI where, um, you know, people say if there's not work to do, why would we just make jobs? Um, but I think it's always seemed to me that, you know, these are proposals that are trying to address a similar or the same problem essentially. And that there are, you know, a lot of things that could be more complementary then um, it doesn't have to be, they don't have to be completely opposed. And so I think there are a few um, ways to think about that. And so one is in, so in this, in these times debate, um, there was one proposal for um, one set of authors making a case for the job guarantee. um, And then another author making a case for the basic income. Um, The case for basic income in that in that instance, um, so this is Matt Brunig arguing that um, that a UBI is a good thing, and his version of the UBI is not intended as an income replacement, so or like to be kind of at the level of like a a full, you know, um, to basically provide like a full income for everybody, and so that's premised on a more um, claim, you know, the UBI is like a claim to uh, public resources, um, and obviously the most. Famous example of this is the Alaska Permanent Fund, um, you know, which always comes up in the UBI debates. Uh, But, you know, so like Matt Brunig says, well, we can have, um, you know, we should just everyone should have a claim to national resources of whatever kind you could have. You know, the most prominent examples are typically like oil and gas and mineral resources. Um, And that's actually something that I, you know, have a um, complaint with, you know, because I come to this from the perspective of thinking about environmental issues and climate change and, and, you know, wanting to use political economy and sort of economic programs to address climate change. And so thinking, um, you know, I don't, I don't want us to like build a a new kind of um, set of universal um, social benefits on the back of like fossil fuels, that seems like a bad idea to me. Um, but you could certainly imagine a version that had um, that was almost going the other direction that's trying to, um, you know, tax resource depletion or um, make other kinds of claims to uh, public resources that aren't necessarily like extractive industries um, up to and including things like, uh, you know, there have been some proposals to to do a version of that for like the rents coming out of patents and things that governments subsidize and so on. So that would just be a more kind of, you know, everyone gets the money as like a claim to public resources, and you could pair that with some kind of jobs program. I also frankly think that you could just have a much more robust UBI um, that is actually an income replacement. And like, if people really also wanted to work, which like job guarantee people will say, well, people want to work and like, we need to create jobs because everyone like wants a job and it's good for people's well being. And so I'm like, okay, like if people want to work, they can go get a job <laughs> on top of their basic income. Like, you know, that seems technically complementarily possibly possible um the obvious problem is like money (laughs) um where these come from uh how you do both and that is i think where um really the problem with with certainly doing a kind of both ubi and job guarantee um or with doing either uh comes in and you know it's kind of the problem of like politics and power and where we're actually gonna get those things for these like both quite um you know like potentially quite radical and transformative programs how we can actually realize them is a big question.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I'm curious, what reactions have you gotten to your to your piece and to your proposal? Have you heard from both basic income and job guarantee proponents on how they feel about it?
2: So on the on the, you know, my sort of argument that these can be complementary, um I've I've I was pleasantly surprised honestly to mostly have people, you know, say like they thought um they appreciated I think like a perspective that was not as firmly in one camp or the other that you know you can have some version or that like recognizes some of the complementarity and also you know I think part of that is also that neither is um going to solve all the problems right because I think there's for a while there's been kind of a you know UBI is the utopia that will fix all these problems like if um Rutger Bregman's book last year um a utopia for realists, like, has this account of how UPI will fix, like, tons of problems from, like, depression to climate change and so on. And you see the same thing from the job guarantee folks a lot. Um, You know, it's going to solve income inequality and racial disparity and all these things. And, like, I think both of them have the potential to make inroads and, in, like, certainly policies matter, but frankly, I don't think either of them is likely to just, you know, kind of (laughs) wipe away all the problems of contemporary American life. And so we should take that into account. And so, you know, I think the certainly job, the job guarantee idea is like in ascendance on the left, sort of like policy left right now. And there's been some proposals put out recently. And so I think, you know, I think people have been um, amenable to particularly, I think, like the environmental and climate critique of potentially just like kind of, you know, that you have to be very careful about what kinds of jobs you're creating and not just kind of do like a job creation and a kind of like any job is a good job sense, which, you know, job guarantee is not necessarily saying, but I think that like the kind of language around like just jobs are good can be the message and that I think is not a good message to be putting out. So, you know, I think people um, recognize that there are important points (laughs) on both sides if you like really make that case. So I hope that we can do that more.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that for I can certainly understand the appeal. If there are a lot of people out there who who feel strongly that yeah, well, I don't just want financial support like I need. I want to have a job. I want to have meaning and I don't have a path to one right now, then that certainly seems attractive from the perspective of a job guarantee because you you are you are then guaranteeing it. One concern I have, and I, I'm curious, th- this actually is something that's been raised by Matt Brunig, um, and I'm, I'm curious if you have your thoughts here. But I do get the sense that there often are a conflation of two different programs in, in job guarantee discussions, at least if not proposals. Um, one being setting up the federal government as the employer of last resort for anyone who can't find a job, that at least a job that they like in the private sector could always then look to the government for work, so effectively a public option for jobs. And, and that's I mean that's where the guarantee aspect of, of the program comes from, right? And then the second being a large public works program, which if we're talking about repairing crumbling infrastructure, tackling big projects that move us towards a green economy, generally important work that isn't actually being handled through the private market today, so like a new WPA effectively. So those I think those both seem like really interesting proposals, but they also seem different because I mean the employer of last resort inherently if if you're if you have a guarantee you can't have a litmus test on experience or skills. Whereas if you want to take on big infrastructure, you probably do want people who have a lot of experience and skills if we're actually gonna do that right. So I don't know, is that is that something you've thought about? Do you have thoughts on, on that distinction?
2: Totally agree that that is an important distinction to make. And I, I also agree that I think it sometimes is conflated in discussions around job guarantee where it's kind of like jobs programs that, you know, it all seems like often the, you know, there's like an idea for like a major jobs program that would also function as a job guarantee, but like also what kind of going above and beyond a job guarantee in many ways. Um, And, you know, frankly, I think I, you know, have this position of feeling like, well, we should, like, there's a lot of work that doesn't need to be done. We should figure out ways to, like, move out of that and, like, diminish work overall because, like, and let people have time for other things. I also think, you know, recognize that there's a lot of work that we should be doing. And, you know, and I think actually quite a lot of that is there's both sort of, like, short-term jobs program or, like, short to medium-term, like you say, like, infrastructural projects and things like that where you would want people who were kind of like committed to a project for the duration of the project. Um, I also think there's some like very long term jobs, you know, we might want to secure or like work we want to make sure was done that the government was creating basically permanent jobs in or permanent work in um, like a lot of the care proposals. So there's been um, more recent job guarantee proposals the Morrison Round from, like, Stephanie Kelton and Paulina Cherneva has been very emphatic on um, care for people, planet, and communities, which I am totally on board with as modes of work. I think it's very important to be supporting that kind of work and, like, giving decent jobs with decent wages and all that in that kind of work. I also think that that should be, like, very long-term, you know, like, not kind of a tailored to, like, the cycles of, you know, the business cycle or, like, job um. Creation and unemployment and whatever like I want to just be like okay we're just like making a bunch of jobs and they're just going to be that and actually like jobs that are good enough to crowd out a lot of private employment and you know I, I imagine there's ways to design a job guarantee that like has some overlap with a broader jobs program that could you know they could function together but I do think sometimes like the job guarantee has become like the new deal WPA type thing and I'm like I agree, they seem like they seem like distinctive things. And I also would like to make sure that we you know, I think sometimes the job guarantee, I guess like in the less transformative versions of it, function as like a you know, it is like a backstop to kind of private sector job creation and you know, it's like one that does give people and workers more security, certainly more ability to demand higher wages and better jobs and so on. Um, but this doesn't really control about like what kinds of jobs or seem to care what kinds of jobs are being created in the private sector. And so um, if you think as I do that a lot of private sector jobs, like we don't want to encourage <laughs> or like we would like to replace private sector work with like things that we think need doing, like care for people and planet and stuff like that. Um, it would be good to crowd out private sector employment in some respects. And I think sometimes the job guarantee proposals I've seen are like, you know, just like different ones have more or less of a kind of, this will stimulate private sector growth and employment and just kind of like revive, you know, be like kind of a place for people to hide out for a while while the the private sector creates more jobs and then they can get whatever job the private sector has created versus like we have a kind of economic and social agenda that we'll try to or try to merge, like, an economic and social agenda through the jobs guarantee. And I'm more favorable to that, but it's, it's, it's certainly a more demanding proposal and one that I think goes beyond
1: the kind of base level. Right. It does seem as though, while well, all of us are clearly thinking far beyond what is politically possible today, we do have our own internal thresholds where it's like, whoa, okay, no, that's, that's too big of, of an idea. Can't have that combination or can't have that particular approach. <laughs> Um, I, I feel like there's some interesting arguments that arise a, as a result of of those different perspectives and that i that was certainly also something that came up uh, when i when I had my conversation with Jared Bernstein last year uh, about his thinking on job guarantee is that he at, at times and he recognized this during the conversation but said we're suspending a political disbelief but only to a point um, so wh- wh- where that leaves us is it's always interesting to see
2: yeah, and it's hard because you know it is I think it's important to have like, kind of like, like distant horizon, utopian type ideas um, that are like what we're kind of working towards, and also some kind of more pragmatic short term view of how to get there. And, you know, it's one of the things that's always that has been tricky um, in getting UBI off the ground, it seems to me is that like for the, it feels like the the kind of, I guess, like left version of it feels like so utopian um that it's like people can't imagine how you would make it happen in the short term and so it's kind of you know it's kind of rethinking so much about like work and production and like what we you know expect how we expect that to function that um it's easier you know kind of like an easier sell politically in many ways to be like well you know you like get a job and you contribute to society and you get your like good wage and stuff like that Um, and you know, like I, uh, I think there are ways, I think (laughs) there are ways to do that that are not like totally just reinvesting in the dignity of work and the kind of like work as like the means to, you know, all social welfare that I think would be important to try to integrate into the job guarantee rhetoric, but you know. Um, I also take the point that it's it's hard to just kind of like totally transform the way people think about like work and income very fast. <laughs> um, so that's fair
1: right with with basic income, you're not just talking policy change, you're talking culture change,
2: yeah, which I think needs to happen, but I also get that it like will take a while. um and so, you know, figuring out ways to, I think continue to not you know to not seed the ground of like Social rights and like universal benefits and so on, while also recognizing that like there is a long way to go to get, you know, if, if anything, it sometimes seems like things have like retrenched since um, things like welfare reform and so on uh, have like kind of ca- like demonized like recipients of benefits as like undeserving and so on.
1: So, on that note, you wrote explicitly in your article about the hybrid proposal that one of the main things that attracted you to basic income was that idea of, of separating livelihood from jobs. And when I've talked to other basic income advocates, my strong sense is that is a powerful underlying driver for much of the support of the policy. And I think that may be why there's been such a strong negative response from many in the basic income space to the idea of the job guarantee program, because they do see that going in the opposite direction. And if If folks and I include myself in this as well would like to see that the conception of deservedness be decoupled from having a paid jobs and that job guarantee is moving away from that um then that's obviously a reason to to not be supportive of the policy um so then my question is for the hybrid policy, let's say that we could make this happen uh I'm curious. To get your thoughts on in that scenario, do you think there would be then a natural shift towards separating deservedness from work if or from jobs, pay jobs, if that was an option for people? Or might we end up just entrenching these two camps of thoughts and, and we'd have the sharks and jets ongoing? Yeah.
2: I definitely worry that the latter will happen, that, you know, we'll kind of take and you know, it's because it's more politically palatable in the short term to do a kind of like you get income if you do a job thing, which like, you know, people will say, well, we need, everyone needs to do work, but, um, you know, so this in the piece, but like, we're not, if the idea is just everyone needs to contribute to society, then like, it should be, you know, that would be more like a like mandatory work requirement program. Like, you know, whatever, like if you have a trust fund, like you also have to get off your butt and like go whatever, like, <laughs> to take care of like the elderly or whatever, you know, but like, it's not that right. It is like explicitly a kind of, well, you know, to uh, to access livelihoods, you get a job. And so like that, um, I do worry about, I guess like one of the things that I've been thinking is that there are certainly ways to structure, um, both job guarantee and basic income that orient it in different directions in terms of like what, like what kind of vision of society it is holding up and, aiming to achieve and I do think that there are ways to like try to use a job guarantee to put forth a different idea about what you know what we think work is how much work people should have to do like how we are in a way that like might be able to have like a conception of like work that's more limited that has that's like more widely distributed I do think that that will be like a political challenge <laughs> um and that you know and that even if you have a kind of like okay well like you have you don't have to work you know you have like a, a reasonably like a lower reduced hour work week or something and like a high you know high wage for like reduced hours and like increased leisure time and all of these things that like have historically been part of like left approaches to to work um You can have all of those things, but still, you know, still at the end of the day, it's like, well, but like to get access to these things, you have to have a job. Like, I still think (laughs) that is a thing that we should try to, but like, that's just going to be part of the job guarantee. And so I I do think that there is, it's very important to also be defending, um, you know, certainly what remains (laughs) of welfare provision in the country. But I think also trying to advance that um, and to see, to think about ways that um, we can increase access to uh unconditional benefits um or even like semi-conditional benefits like the child allowance is often discussed as like a kind of like ubi adjacent policy which is like you know it's not obviously not everyone has a child <laughs> and will like unconditionally receive the child allowance but just things that are like increased social benefits or whatever you know one thing that i mentioned in the piece that i also think is an interesting idea and have actually heard discussed very little in the u.s but like the idea of universal basic services which is like people having access to, like, public housing and, transport, like, free public transportation and, um, you know, like, food stamps, like, whatever, like, a lot of, but a lot of, like, the things that you actually need to live, like, that you would have freely available, um, which I think also, like, I mean, I think it always can be helpful in solving some of the problems of the basic income, which are, like, if you get X amount of money and then, like, the private sector hikes up the cost of, like, healthcare, or housing, so much that you can't afford those things, you know, this is, like, one of the ongoing debates. And so, like, if you just do in-kind service or good provision, people can still have, like, the basics that they need to live um, without whether or not it's called, like, income. Um, and that also seems, like, compatible with job guarantee. But, like, at the same time, it's, like, you know, I still feel like at the end of the day, there are a lot of ways to sort of try to make them more, I guess, like, to to recognize that there are you know, to have, like, a job guarantee that's not just kind of, like, work is, like, the greatest good of society, but at the end of the day, like, I still think it's, like, crucial to just insist that we're, like, you shouldn't have to have a job to be able to live and to have, like, an income that you can live on and all of that, and that, like, your access to a livelihood and, like, you know, an economic mode that is not, like, that is premised on, like, a lot of people not having access to a livelihood, like, should not be whether or not That shouldn't be at the basis of, like, whether you're able to live a decent life. And I think it's, like, very important for the left to insist on that, even if, and especially if we're going for the job guarantee.
1: Your note on universal basic services brings up an interesting point, which is beyond the question of deservedness, uh, whether you have a job or not, one of the other, I would say, strong underlying drivers in in the basic income space is the idea of, of choice. And that, and a lot of this, I think, has been uh, certainly at least fueled by some of the research around unconditional cash that's been done by give Directly and others in, in developing nations. But that there is, and and this may be different people. I think view it either more through a pragmatic lens or more through a moral lens. But it is often better to give people support in a way where they decide for themselves how they use that support and hence the preference for cash over over the services because with cash yes you are subscribing then to a capitalist market but that provides a way for people then to choose for themselves like do i spend this on food do i spend this on rent do i spend this taking my kids to disneyland and that that is uh that has a uh, substantial value in itself so I, i'm curious what your thoughts are around that
2: I'm sympathetic to that in some ways, and I'm also suspicious of it, I guess, And that I like both, you know, I think a lot of the critique of certain aspects of the welfare state that came, you know, come from the left and from welfare recipients are around like the kind of paternalism of the welfare state and like the 60s and so on, where, you know, like single mothers are being like, you know, um, given a hard time by like bureaucrats who are like telling them how they should take care of their children and treating them like you know, like they don't know what to do and whatever. And there's like a lot of, there certainly is a lot of that. And, um, you know, I think actually one of the reasons to make uh, access to certain benefits more universal and less sort of with less coming with less strings attached is to, um you know, minimize the degree to which you have people having to jump through hoops to get access to the things they need. You know, I guess my concern with the framework of choice is less that people shouldn't be able to choose things is more, I guess, like a couple of things. One is just like the way that I think choice has become. So, you know, I think the framework of consumer choice comes very strongly out of like a lot of neoliberal policy thinkers and it's just you know this is like the free to choose as like Milton Friedman's like classic idea um and it kind of just frames like okay like the greatest decision making power you have is like as a consumer in the market and like that's where your like choice really lies um and I'm a little wary of just kind of creating a program that's like okay well that's that's our paradigmatic value is like everyone has like the freedom to choose in the sense of like that means you get dollars to spend in the market um I do think that there are uh, ways to be free to choose, you know, things about your life that, like, if you have access to a set of um, things and, you know, including, like, housing. I don't think that means that, like, housing says you have to live in X place or Y place. You can, you know, hopefully there's, like, ways to build choice into access to public goods and services um, or, you know, like, free public transportation, like, can choose where you go like there, you know there are many ways to think about choice that aren't just like here's a dollar where are you going to spend it um but you know I do think the the concern about like what happens when people have a you know if you have a basic income and the price of goods is too high for you to choose those things <laughs> um you know choice is always dependent you know choice in the marketplace depends on how much money you have and how much money other people have to spend things and I think that like especially housing markets and healthcare seem like the most um, problematic for that. And that it's just, it can be so extreme. And if, you know, you have, if your choices are between like two extremely expensive, like healthcare plans, you know, I mean, this is getting into the kind of more like basic income as a replacement for all welfare state provision. And it's like, which you know, but which is advanced under the banner of choice. Like it's like, well, people can choose how they spend their money. If they don't want to buy health insurance, why should they have to? And then you're like, you know, what happens when people choose not to, but they have like cancer, you know? So like, I think I would like to like step back from that as like the the paradigmatic framework for how we think about how we choose things and, and like what that means and what kinds of action that entails
1: and i do think your example with healthcare is, is a good point because most basic income advocates i know favor a, a single payer solution on that that they don't they don't view healthcare as as something that should fall under the auspices of what would be covered in a basic income specifically because prices so, so variable that you've effectively limited a choice on that side on the uh, supply side from my perspective a pure solution in either direction is very problematic. And the question is, where do you draw the line as to what, what, what the market actually can handle versus what, what society should be providing directly? But I, I think this is a good segue into talking about... You, you mentioned in your recent piece that you've grown more wary of, of UBI, uh, as, as you mentioned earlier in the conversation as well, as it's gained prominence, uh, and in particular due to who the visible champions are and and some of the details of the policies being proposed. And that touches back to your piece last year, The False Promise of Universal Basic Income, where you were cautioning those on the left about supporting the policy. And I I did, I thought you raised some really important points in that piece. Would you be able to just generally walk through your thinking around that? Sure.
2: So yes, this is a piece slightly uh misleadingly titled because it's not it's kind of more like some warnings about potential basic income rather you know rather than like it's it's a false promise totally. However, um I am more skeptical and than, you know, I'd written a previous piece arguing for like a UBI as like a way to, you know, kind of break the growth job cycle and like a kind of environmental climate proposal. And you know, then I was like, okay, there's been all this stuff coming out about basic income. I should like, you know, see where the debate's going and so on. Um, and that definitely made me um, you know, as I as I was kind of following the the debate as it went on, it was um, I, I got more and more uh, nervous about some of the, the rhetoric I was hearing and particularly coming out of, um, uh, not just rhetoric, but like the, you know, kind of like the policy ideas people are putting forward. And I think particularly seeing how popular it was um, amongst like Silicon Valley venture capitalist types um, gave me real pause. Um, and that's not necessarily, you know, cause I think one of, so one of the things that UBI people always bring up is that like, It has supporters on the left and right, and there's kind of, like, these, like, different ideological trajectories, and, like, maybe that makes it a kind of potential, um, you know, you have this potential, like, big tent of UBI supporters or something. So I don't think the fact that there are people on the right who have supported a basic income idea disqualifies it at all um there are very you know distinctive versions but it was um i was like well what is going on here and you know i the the more i came to think reading um you know for example Andy stern's recent book "Raising the floor on basic income um that it was being proposed basically as like uh for some people um you know these kind of like techno futurists as like a solution to automation and um the you know there will there'll only be like a few kind of gig economy jobs and then like what are we gonna do with all these masses of unemployed and there are these kind of different competing anxieties about like, you know, will the will the masses come for the for us, you know, wealthy venture capitalists, um, and we should throw them some UBI (laughs) to like keep them calm. And I was like, "Mm, it's not not what I'm looking for in the UBI. There's like a kind of idea of the UBI as like a way to, you know, basically have a baseline for like the very low wages of the gay economy. So like you could be an Uber driver and make like, you know, whatever, like crappy wages. Um, I mean, they're not even technically wages cause they're not technically employees, but like you can make whatever you make on like a, a ride, but UBI, like the, the, you know, the government will backstop that basically. Um, and it seemed like kind of a public subsidy to shittily paying, uh, private sector jobs. Um, which you know I think is also not <laughs> what I would like want UBI to do, and you know things that are kind of along these lines that are that are positing the basic income as like a way to stave off a more egalitarian political economic framework and to kind of like just deal with uh, the the problems of um, automation and so I, I was you know that made me concerned and the thing that I came to think a bit about UBI is that um the kind of idea of it as like that you sometimes see in for example again Rucker Bergman's book of that presents it as this kind of like rational post-ideological idea that will um like a kind of solution oriented or it's just like like it just like makes sense as a policy proposal and it doesn't have like an ideological valence um sometimes seems like the the good thing about it but I came to think it was not the good thing about it because <laughs> um, I do think that like there are a lot of ideological you know components built into different like conceptions of the UBI and it's like really important to articulate those and to say my version is like actually very different from this other one and it's not just the same because we both think a basic income is good you know like Andy Stern has this like imagined debate between um, Charles Murray and Martin Luther King Jr. which i found baffling, kind of offensive, and, um, you know, that they actually agreed on more than they disagreed on because they, like, both thought of basic income was good. And it's just like, no, that's, I just don't think that's true. So, um, you know, so I think people who are coming at this from the left, um, you know, I, I definitely, again, like, I really don't want to say, well, because there's a few, because there are people who have like a version of the the job or the the basic income that I don't like. This like poisons the thing in the same way that I don't think that um you know whatever like Republicans trying to attach like work requirements to food stamps should disqualify like job guarantee proposals, which are not trying to do that. Even though they both have this kind of like work as you know or like potentially have this kind of like work oriented mode of accessing benefits or whatever. But I think it's important to be aware of that to make clear distinctions. Um and so, you know, so I wrote this piece saying like, uh, you know, kind of here are the things that concern me about the basic income. And, you know, I think in this more recent piece, I'm trying to sort of remind the, the people who like have are like firmly in the job guarantee camp to like also be aware of those same things. Cause as I just noted, no, 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 I do think that like I don't think that job guarantee or like left wing job guarantee proposals are work fair, but they have, you know, um as people on the right are calling for workfare, um, mm-hmm. i.e. like requiring work to access welfare and other kinds of benefits, like that will be something that seeps into that debate, whether people on the left like it or not. And so I think we just need to be aware of who are, uh, who are the people who will like try to get in on the proposals we're putting forth are, how they will transform <laughs> um, from like the ideas we come up with and kind of you know, the ideal version that we're like, this is like all the good things about it and this is how it could work, because those things will change through the political process, and particularly when, you know, like
1: the sausage gets made.
2: Yeah, the sausage the sausage is not pretty as it gets made, but also like we we just don't we are not powerful enough like the people who have like a left UBI or left jobs guarantee to just like implement the one we want right now. Um, you know, like Republicans and like quite right-wing Republicans often are, like, very much in power right now. And, like, <laughs> it's going to be very hard to achieve the kind of utopian vision of either of our policies. And so I think it's important to, like, remember how that might
0: shift as things go through the political ringer. That was Jim Hugh and Alyssa Badistoni on the Basic Income podcast. So what I found interesting and insightful about that was that both basic income and jobs guarantee, you know, they're aspirational proposals. And so some of the details can sort of get left out sometimes. And I think with both, there is kind of the the small version and the big version, I'll call them, where with jobs guarantee, there's, as you described it, you know, there's the job of last resort, where if you can find nothing else, you, you still have this. And then there's the idea that you would be able to have a good middle-class job through a jobs guarantee program. And those are very different proposals. And with basic income, you might see something with you know a few hundred dollars, maybe up to a thousand, uh, or a true income replacement of you know $50,000 a year or something like that. And um, I think for a jobs guarantee, those are very different proposals. For a basic income, you know, it's the same idea, just more. And maybe maybe people would disagree on that. But uh, but I found it instructive just to think through that. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you see these
1: different ideas out there. And depending on the details you have, it it does make a really big difference. And I think that... And, and this is certainly not true for, for every job guarantee advocate. You you do hear people out there who are very specific in the version that they're pushing, but there is sometimes this kind of general conflation, and, and people wrap this up into some, some big general idea of a policy and then talk about it what things that maybe some form of a job guarantee could potentially solve, but it all gets kind of muddled into one. And I think that is, it does a disservice, I would say, to the idea of a job guarantee because it doesn't allow you to really understand, all right, what are we talking about here? How does this connect to our core values? And so it, it becomes hard to really
0: have a good discussion on that in that case. Yeah, and I think you can kind of get away with it when when it's a very far-off thing. But now it's being proposed by Democratic candidates for, for the House and, and state offices. And, yeah, I think it's time to you know, pick a path if, if you're one of those
1: people. And, and that's not to say that we need every detail answered because you can obviously make the same critique with basic income. There's a lot of specific questions that if if someone were to say, okay, go, what is your national policy, we wouldn't have necessarily specific answers to. But I do think particularly the difference between employer last resort and just a general public works program, it's not that those are details, those, those are really different policies. So, I really would like to see people make that distinction when when they do talk about this.
0: One other question I would throw in there for jobs guarantee people is, is this a program that works anywhere where you live? Uh, So do the jobs come to you, essentially? Or is there a difference between maybe a more robust kind of public works thing that you might have to travel to and... The guaranteed jobs is where you are. I think there are different ways to structure that and you know potentially some different good ideas in there. But that is a, a question that always comes to my mind.
1: Yeah, I feel like most proposals I've seen have talked about local jobs. So that seems to be the thrust. But I, I think that's also a good follow-up point, which is if you are considering these bigger infrastructure projects, that does likely require more more people to move. So yet another reason why it doesn't fit cleanly into an employer of last resort model. But all that said, I think it's important to say I personally agree with Alyssa. I don't think that job guarantee and basic income have to be oppositional. I think that you could absolutely imagine a hybrid proposal where... You provide a job to people who want them, but then everyone is getting basic income, and there's nothing wrong with that. If people actually like these jobs and want to take them, okay, they can do that, and if not, they have basic income and can figure out their own path.
0: Yeah, I feel like part of the the opposition between these two ideas is the sense that we only have room for one big idea and that they sort of address similar problems. But yeah, absolutely, on a policy level, on just imagining how things would play out, there's no reason these can't fit together in the same same world. And just
1: thinking politically, if you are a supporter of basic income, I think that there is very good reason not to come out hard against job guarantee, or at least insist upon leaning into that in debates. Because if if we're talking about people who are in in the general bucket of thinking outside the box on how we actually guarantee economic security for everyone, there's going to be a good chunk of folks who maybe they were first introduced to job guarantee, that's what they're used to, and so that's what they advocate for. But they could potentially be very open to basic income. But if it's presented in a way that actually starts with their values, not as your idea is terrible, this is better. And so it becomes, it could really galvanize people into these two camps in an unproductive way, I think.
0: All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Basic Income Podcast. Thank you to our producer, Eric Davidson. And uh, we are back. So uh, we'll have more episodes in your feed soon. And we'll talk to you next week.